Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Repeater. My name is Evan. And I'm Pat. And uh, today we are joined in the studio by Carsey Blanton. It's me. Hey. Hey, you're here. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Um, yeah, yeah, sneaking us into your busy week. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Apparently so. Yeah. Burning the candle at both ends over here. We're glad we can help you melt that wax. <laughs> hey! <laughs> There's a drum kit. We got to get a boom. I know, oh right? We should, we should have a studio drummer <laughs> just here <laughs> only for that. <laughs> got to be so loud compared to the rest of our voices, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is a show where we talk to someone about a song that they love that means a lot to them. And we'll get to that super soon. But first, let's talk a little bit about something we've been listening to recently. Sure. Um, surprise, I've been listening to the new Janelle Monet because mm-hmm. it is so good. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was trying to pick one song and I can't, I really can't, but the one today that's kind of been like going over and over in my head is a uh, crazy classic life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know yet. I only know the single so far. I got to yeah. dive right in. Singles are great. Uh, singles are great. The this is the, good. this is the second track on the album. And there's just something about the way that she sings the chorus that, like, I don't know, it just hit me in such a cool way. Because it, like, slows down. Like, the rest of the song Mm. is so upbeat, and then the Mm. chorus comes, and it just kind of slows down and makes you, like, think about it. That's just the way it makes you feel. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Powerful with a little bit of... I think that is so hot. Oh, my God. That, that, like... Coolest melodic choice in pop music in the past decade, and I'm like going to go ahead and say. It gave me chills the first time I heard it. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> I know. You're like, those aren't even notes. You can't just, <laughs> you can't just sing that. Who let you do that? Please <laughs> I think do was, more. I think it was the ghost of Prince came yeah, to her yeah. in the night and was like, listen, Janelle, I've been saving this for someone and I think it's you. Yeah. That's yeah, my exactly. Theory. I think that is sort of what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and man, that yeah, that album's great. Yeah. I've also been listening to that on the ton, but in, <laughs> can we all say the same thing? Yeah, <laughs> but I, it's also like I think it was one of the singles was the thing I mentioned the last time we did a show. So I'll I'll choose something different just to not be redundant. Um, I've been listening to uh, I had to write this down, but um, Twin Shadow also put out a new album. Yeah, which is called Care. I think C A E R. I'm not sure if anyone knows a better way to pronounce that. Um, it's pretty good. It's like a laid back. Uh, fun Twin Shadow album, and but the I think it's the second track as well. It's called Saturdays, featuring Hyam, and it's uh it's like a gonna be a good summer party song. Nice. I think cool. Maybe not like banger party song, but like backyard party song. Nice Saturdays, you know. Right, right, right. It's for Saturdays, chill, beer yeah. in hand, exactly situation. Um, and it's good. He's like an artist I'm only sort of vaguely familiar with, but I have a couple friends that really like him. And so I gave it a listen over the weekend and think it's quite good. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, I was going to say Tom Waits' album, Alice, because I've been listening to that for like the last week. But mm-hmm. then I remembered today, a good friend of mine, Milton, who's a great songwriter, played me the newest record of another great songwriter named Kat Edmondson. Okay. You okay. guys know her? She lives here in New York. Not many musicians do, I know. Yeah. But she does. Yeah. Uh, and she just made this very cool, very classic jazz record. Like, I feel like it was very ballsy of her. She made Mm -hmm. like, it's all the songs are written with like the verse, you know, this term in jazz music, they say the verse and they mean the weird intro that doesn't use the same melody or chords as the rest of the song. Okay. So it's like, 
I was a humdrum person living my life apart. And then the song comes in and it's like, da, 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 da. Uh, so anyway, she wrote all these songs with like those kind of verses and then they have full orchestral arrangements, sort of like 50s jazz records do. Wow, that's awesome. With like an orchestra and a horn section and then sometimes the guys come in like, oh, those guys. You yeah. Know, la, la. I just thought that was pretty cool of her. So that's shout out cool to Kat her. Edmondson. Yeah, That's we'll awesome. have to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds very cool. Um, well, in the spirit of jazz, what song did you want to talk with us about today? In the spirit of jazz, I wanted to talk about... Um, <laughs> is that uh, a phrase people use on, <laughs> no, on a regular basis? Definitely is. Definitely <laughs> is. Uh, I wanted to talk about a uh, song that uh, was written by these guys, uh, Julie Stein and Sammy Kahn, who were like a, one of these jazz writing du- duos, mm-hmm. uh, performed by Chet Baker, who's one of my favorite singers ever. And the song's called I Fall in Love Too Easily. Great. Let's listen to yeah. a little clip of it right now. Great. I fall in love too easily. Right away. <laughs> get it. Jumps right in. Yeah. I always love the sound of like a piano being played softly. Yeah, I know these old guys could really play some cool stuff while also supporting a singer. You don't get yeah. that much anymore. Yeah. So I think so many things about this song are great, but I'm just gonna point out one thing about the way Chet Baker sings, mm-hmm. which is that he doesn't use vibrato at the end of his tones. He doesn't go foo, which is. What almost everyone does, because it's hard to hold a note and stay on the note right. and not do vibrato. Yeah. But this guy nails it every time. Check it out. Man. I fall in love too fast. That's gorgeous. <laughs> That's awesome. Guy really knows yeah. how to hit a note. Dang. Gorgeous. <laughs> Good job, Chet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, needs Chet. our approval <laughs> yeah. at this point. <laughs> and then he comes in and also plays a really cool trumpet solo. Like, oh, by the way, I play a little horn now and then. <laughs> Um, gosh, yeah. so yeah. So that's incredible. That's great. <laughs> uh, we are going to, we're going to try to guess oh, why good. you chose this song. Okay. Uh, good luck to us. Yeah. <laughs> and as usual, going to nail it. Great. Um, I don't know. This song made me think about like being at my grandma's house. So I'm just going to guess that your grandma was not my grandma, but a different one. <laughs> uh, but like... Who knows? Maybe this is <laughs> maybe we're this meeting is how we for the first out. time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cousin. But mm-hmm. I think I'm just gonna guess that she always had music on in the house and like it was kind of this like chill, just nice background noise, and this was the song that maybe you were learning how to sing and you heard the no vibrato at the end and you're like, Oh my god, I need to be able to do that. Mm. Eh, that's my guess. Wrong. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's okay. We're so all... was I not supposed to do that? Am I supposed to give feedback? <laughs> no, you can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Uh, mine is mine. Mine's super simple, which is a musician. This probably hit you, hits in like two really specific ways for you, which is probably as a musician, this is kind of a gold standard kind of song for you musically. But... Uh, I would just guess that maybe you are someone that falls in love too fast. And so it's also, it's also like out of the gate, you're like, oh God, it sounds good. And it's musically <laughs> what I'm into. And this like old timer nailed 
you know, this emotional thing that's in my that I've seen running through my life. Yeah. Yeah, you pretty much got it. Okay. Sorry, Pat. Uh. <laughs> That's pretty much true. Yeah. I think that, um, so I actually wasn't that familiar with Chet Baker until just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a jazz listener for much of my life, but um, wasn't that, I didn't know much about him. And so when I found him and I found, there's a record called Chet Baker Sings, which is, mm-hmm. I don't think was originally put out as a full album, but I could be wrong about that. But it's all these sessions with this same band that you heard on that recording, and they're all these beautiful standards, and he sings them really straight, meaning he doesn't like mess around with the melodies very much. So it's a right. good way to like hear a new song, be like, "Wow, what's that one?" And so when I heard that this song, "I Fall in Love Too Easily," I did have the experience you're talking about. I was like, "Whoa, you got me on that one." <laughs> uh, so yeah, I relate to it. I also think it's a really excellent example of something I value a lot in songwriting, which is. Um, directness and succinctness so uh we didn't play the full song but if you listen to the whole song you'll find there's no other parts to the song so unlike almost all jazz standards which will be like a section b section sometimes there's another one that verse that we just heard Mm -hmm. is the entire song there's no other parts um and so apparently when the writers wrote it julie stein and sammy khan they were like sitting i just was reading this on wikipedia they're like writing together in palm springs (laughs) (laughs) and they like finish the melody finish the lyric and they look at each other and they're like that's it we said it it's basically like a drop the mic kind of moment you're like you don't need to say anything more than that perfectly captures the sentiment perfectly captures uh has this melodic uh movement to it and then it feels like we have arrived at the end. Mm-hmm. Here we are, everybody. So I really, that's something I value a lot as a songwriter. So I think this is sort of a perfect little kernel of a song. Yeah, brevity <laughs> is uh, difficult sometimes, right? Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. And I think it takes a lot of sort of gumption to to do what they did and say, like, we just wrote a perfect song. So what? It only has one part. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they weren't. They didn't need the approval of the other people, the other writers being like, ah, yes, you wrote the A section. Now you have to write the B section and then we will all agree this is a song. They were like, that's it. It's done. Boom. So, yes. There's something (laughs) like incredibly impressive about only having that A section and hitting such an intense emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing is the lyric. It's almost like a haiku. So it starts with I fall in love too easily. I fall in love too fast. Then it goes on, I fall in love too terribly hard for it to ever last. My heart should be well-schooled because I've been fooled in the past. And then it returns to the beginning, I fall in love too easily, I fall in love too fast. Yeah. And that's it. It's like, yeah. so it, it does feel like a haiku. And similar to a great haiku, you're like, wow, you only said this many words, but you really like, boom, right in the heart with yeah. the yeah. feeling. <laughs> and it's like enough to just plant that seed in yeah. you to then think about too much over the next week right right it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. a little ninja thing mm-hmm. that you yeah. could just carry around in your brain <laughs> and it'll keep it'll keep popping up <laughs> and it's it's maybe a helpful thing to <clears throat> if you're going you know if you are processing something like that even uh something like that falling in love yeah you know to keep it simple yeah um because i think sometimes we all get into situations where we somebody asks you like oh what's going on with this and you start with something simple and right. you're like oh well uh i guess i kind of like fell in love really quickly right and then you just end <laughs> up continuing to talk and you almost ruin yeah maybe the original sentiment that <laughs> yeah you, by the end of the conversation you're like am i in love i don't yeah god i gotta 
I got to think about some things. <laughs> totally. Like, if you just put it in the bank, you yeah. know what I mean? And like step away from it for a minute, you might be doing yourself a favor yeah. emotionally and mentally. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about uh, lyrical writing, about poetry and lyrics is that uh, because you're combining words with melody in this case, you you can have these sort of phrases that are just pregnant with like mysterious secret meaning. Mm -hmm. And if you don't elaborate further and keep talking, then it's like it has this sense of like, wow, that one line is so full of meaning and you could interpret it lots of different ways and it reminds you of lots of different things. Even like the phrase, um, my heart should be well-schooled because I've been yeah. fooled in the past. That has a lot of information in it without saying like, one time I was in love with somebody and they broke my heart really bad, but still I'm in love again. I'm an yeah. idiot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> all that is implied. Remember that classic jazz song? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of implied meaning and like the, the melody and the instrumentation and the chord changes and everything sort of adds more implied meaning to the, to that poetry, which is why songwriting is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. That's the case for it. Everyone. <laughs> So, in case you thought you most, had a thing that was yeah. cooler, <laughs> it's a way to get the most meaning across in like the smallest amount of time. Yeah, yeah, it can be very, <laughs> it's very efficient. Yeah, you know. So, what like drew you to songwriting in the first place? Then was it the music, or was it the fact that you could play with words like that? Um, I don't know. I think both. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to a friend who's also a songwriter about how <laughs> one of my earliest memories of like thinking about songwriting was I think I was probably eight or nine and I remember listening to a John Prine song the song Dear Abby mm -hmm. and there's a line in that song about um something about knocking on wood do you guys know John Prine yeah vaguely I but do. I don't have yeah. like, a deep relationship with him it's like stop wishing for bad luck and knocking on wood so it's like don't wish mm -hmm. for bad luck and then you knock on wood like you're taking it back but I didn't know what knock on wood meant and I remember being a kid and being like that line doesn't make sense. You should really <laughs> rewrite it. And then I rewrote it for myself in my oh. mind. And I remember having sort of a revelation like, whoa, somebody just made that up. And like, I can make stuff up too. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I remember it was the first time I realized that like a person made every song out of their own minds. And like, you can make stuff up. I can make stuff up. There's no like secret society, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's always been my interest is like, I just like making stuff up. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, backing up, giving us a little bit of context. So you, I assume you've also been singing and be a musician for a long time then. Yeah. So I was one of those kids that w took piano lessons from mm -hmm. a really young age. And then um, I think I was about 13 when I switched to guitar. And for whatever reason, the guitar kind of cracked open songwriting for me. So that was the same same time I started writing songs. Um, and same with singing. I kind of, I kind of knew about it and had done it here and there, but when I was started to become a teenager, you know, like most teenagers, I started to feel like I have so much important stuff to say. Yeah. Uh, so that was when I started working on writing songs and it took me a few years. Like I wrote a bunch of songs that I thought were dumb and I didn't share them with anybody. <laughs> yeah. And then I was probably 15 or 16 when I wrote the first song that I thought was good. Um, and that was really fun. So I just kept doing it. <laughs> that is really fun. Awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, jazz is also pretty prevalent, I think, in your, your music, right? Yeah. Uh, so when did that kind of enter your world? Yeah, well, actually, this is the part that was true of your, of Pat's idea of where 
uh, how I got interested in that song, which about my grandmother's house. Mm -hmm. So my grandmother only listens to opera, so that part was not true. But my <laughs> grandfather uh, is a big jazz guy, and he he had heard, I think, from my mother that I was starting to be interested in music when I was 13. So for my 13th birthday, he sent me a bunch of CDs. He sent me a Billie Holiday anthology and Nina Simone Sings the Blues and like an Ella Fitzgerald and a Sarah Vaughan. He was like, these are all women who sing. Mm -hmm. And just sort of slyly, he was just only giving me jazz. <laughs> and I just connected to it right away. Like I, for whatever reason, Billie Holiday was the main one. When I started yeah. listening to her, um, I just right away was like, this is awesome and I love it. Um, and I pretty much have felt that way the whole time. I didn't, um, I didn't go to school as a kid. I was homeschooled and then I also didn't go to college. So I'm like not a trained musician, but I am a devotee, devotee, devotee of jazz. <laughs> um, but I didn't like go to school for it or anything like yeah. that. Just listened to it a lot and then sort of learned to play guitar by like hackishly putting together chords to these jazz recordings. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's worked out pretty well for you, it seems. Hey, nobody has stopped me yet. Waiting. <laughs> Keep waiting for somebody at a venue to be like, where are your credentials? It's like a good lesson in general adulthood and artistry is that no one's going to stop you. Just create the thing you want to create. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, it even goes back to the the first set of songs that you wrote. Like, yeah. Feeling badly about them. Like, that's any creative endeavor. Right. It's just, yeah, you will make things that you're probably not going to be happy. But, like, do it. Yeah. And I think one of the great lessons of creativity that is so valuable is the lesson of making work, reflecting back upon it, going ahead and making judgments about it, and then making more work. It's like that yeah. that is the creative process. There's not another process. And other right. people outside of you aren't actually involved. It's just a matter of creating and reflecting and creating and reflecting mm -hmm. again. And so I think that that experience of making work that's bad is actually super valuable and yeah. and essential for becoming a, an artist of any kind. Because you can't grow yeah. if you don't challenge yourself. Yeah, and I think it's not even about like, oh, uh, like as long as you don't go into that dark place of like, I suck, why did I ever do something so lame? Um, as long as you don't do that, it's all really good, valuable information. Yeah. Oh, I, maybe that was a dumb line. I could do a better <laughs> one next time. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to swing for the fences, yeah. you know, and... Uh, See, yeah, you gotta see what happens. Yeah, and like, I I do worry a little about kids today. I worry about kids today because you can s instantly share everything you make, and yeah. so I'm afraid they're not gonna get that internal experience of like making a thing that you don't share and critiquing it on your own and not waiting for someone else to critique it. Yeah, because there's I, like no private process left anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's interesting because I think. It is problematic that so much of what gets created is like we rely on likes to show value or worth right. where I think of the more valuable thing is just making the thing and putting it out there yeah. and learning to not necessarily care what other people think. Yeah. Like I think it's a more important lesson to be able to put something out there and own that yeah. and then like have it be in the world yeah. and not wait for you know, I got a hundred likes right. on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And also to make things that you don't put out there. I think that is part of, yeah. I think that's also valuable. I don't, I hardly do that anymore, but I certainly did it a lot when I was learning how to write songs. Yeah. And I do still think it's like, it's a good way to cultivate that relationship with yourself and with your own creativity. Yeah. Just, some things are just for you and that's okay. 
Yeah, I mean, um, just going off of that, like at home, I have like a looping pedal mm-hmm. and it doesn't store the loops and it's really fun to play with nice. and it doesn't store the loops. So when I turn it off, they're gone. It's like a Zen garden, the sand garden thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot about it in the context of comedy. I do predominantly improv and sketch comedy. And, cool. Um, sketch, you're, I guess you're always kind of, uh, you're trying to put it out there. You're trying to put it on stage at least. But there's a whole lot of stuff that gets left in the writer's room yeah. that no one's ever going to see. And maybe it's your maybe some of your favorite stuff. Right. It just doesn't fit the show. Right. Uh, other, maybe it doesn't resonate with the other people on the team even. But um, that stuff gets left on the floor. Yeah. And then I think, I mean, with improv, you're constantly basically creating stuff that it doesn't matter and no one sees. And yeah. practice is a huge part of that. And yeah. it's, you're doing that to... You're, the team is doing that just for themselves. Yeah, and to get better at the process. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm all, That always reminds me of something, like the best advice I ever heard about creativity from anyone was a friend of mine's father said, who's an author, he said, creativity is a well that fills from beneath, so you have to keep using it mm-hmm. if you want more. So in other words, there's no save it. There's no like, that was good, you have to hold on to it or like wait for the right time. Like you just keep using it. That's... That's yeah. how you do it. That's how you get better at it. That's how you get new ideas. So I think like the ability to use your ideas and try them is much more important than the result. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really wonderful analogy, I think. And it's, uh, I don't know the physics of it exactly, <laughs> but <laughs> nobody does. <laughs> uh, well, but I'll, I'll save tearing down the, <laughs> the analogy for another time. Yeah. Do you think? Growing up with jazz has given you a, a wider space to explore because I know that the jazz that I was introduced to early was like, I don't know, smooth jazz or whatever. Yeah. And then somebody came in and was like, well, you need to check out Ornette Coleman. Right. And the range of just what happens in jazz is so interesting to me and incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do notice there's a bit of a dichotomy in music for a lot of people where it's like jazz is treated kind of like classical is treated, where it's like in its own camp. And if you don't like go to school for it or you weren't raised listening to it or you don't know how to play it, then it's like not for you. And like pop music is this other separate thing. And I think because I started listening to jazz young enough, I don't experience that that differentiation. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, this is all music. And, like, so many jazz standards are just beautifully written pop songs. Like, that song, I Fall in Love Too Easily, is a pop song in that it's communicating very clearly a sentiment that everybody can relate to. Mm -hmm. And it's doing so in a way that's, like, really pleasurable to your ear to listen to. Um, As opposed to, like, a lot of later jazz that gets a little more out and a little more challenging to a listener. Um, So I feel like because I have that context, I just think, like, songs are songs. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... The point of a song is to communicate a thing and a feeling with yeah. sound. And so um, I think jazz isn't excluded from that for me. And I and I think that's been very valuable as a musician, that I don't feel sort of cut off from that yeah, whole world absolutely. of music. I think it's good. I mean, if, if people were kind of putting putting more of it or, you know, vice versa, whether you're somebody who's super into jazz or super into classical, classical, putting pop music into your rotation, or if you only listen to popular music, putting those things yeah. into your rotation, um, because it gives you that context a little bit, you know, um, the more you do it, really. Yeah. I can remember maybe two years ago, jumping on my, I was going to ride my bike 
from like Brooklyn to Manhattan. I put on this EP uh, by this group I think called Neresia. They're a, they're like a sort of upbeat jazz group mm-hmm. out of the UK. Mm-hmm. And I just remember taking a turn on my bike. Like it was just all very pleasant. How I think a lot of popular music listeners would describe jazz. You're kind yeah. of like, oh, this is nice. I put yeah. it on in the background. I don't really like. <laughs> right. It doesn't necessarily communicate much to me. Right. Um, and I remember I was taking this one turn and the song goes from this really kind of slow, swelling, nice introduction to then it it just turns a corner and gets like this upbeat um, horn section that's mm-hmm. really, really fun and really, really cool. And I just remember it's like it was as I was taking this turn and it perfectly synced out with like my pace and everything <laughs> I was doing. And it gave me this big uh, boost to go like take a bridge. Yeah. And it was just this thing where it's like it was kismet you know yeah. it worked out perfectly at the time and i was like oh now i know now what this song communicates to me is energy right and right. now every time i listen to that song it really is like a it's like a pump up song but yeah. it's very like beautiful and right. the instrumentation is nice it's not you know a uh, uh, a fist pumping like right. techno song or something like normally what pump up music is yeah but that's right. now how i view that song that's awesome so you were able to have like a new relationship with the song yeah and it really like kind of caught me by surprise yeah but it's you don't get that unless you uh make sure you put that stuff in your rotation like you know you make sure you listen that stuff yeah 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 it's funny too because i feel like the the jazz versus pop sort of false dichotomy is like it's partly upheld by people who don't listen to jazz who think like oh jazz that's like way too sophisticated for me but it's also upheld by like the jazz nerd Mm-hmm. like the sort of jazz Nazis. I shouldn't yes. say that, but uh, <laughs> the jazz purists maybe yeah. is the way to say it, where it's like they treat it like it's its own thing and you have to really know about it. You have to study it. You have to like know music theory and play an instrument or yeah. you like can't appreciate it. And I think that's all just malarkey, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think all music is about uh, the pleasure of listening to things and the mm-hmm. pleasure of sound. And if you have ears that work, then you can listen to any kind of music and enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that it happens across any genre, really. Because yeah. I was think I mean, we were talking the other night about like listening to music in high school, and like yeah, I was telling a story about uh, some kids I knew that were like writing off bands because they sold out because right. they weren't they got signed to a label, and it's like they're not punk anymore. Right. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> now they can like buy dinner, and that's kind of nice, <laughs> and. Yeah. yeah, I think it it <laughs> happens and it it kind of sucks that those things are so delineated cuz yeah. like I I don't go out of my way to play pop music and like I've been trying more and like yeah. that's how I have Janelle Monáe on my phone. Yeah. So it's great. <laughs> right. It's like there sh- you don't need to have these divisions. Yeah. That's why I say I'm genre fluid. <laughs> <laughs> You get in trouble for that too. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> um, I am no. genre fluid though, and also it's yeah. interesting because gender and genre have the same root because they're both about making basically arbitrary distinctions about things. Categorization. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, and and genre is also a social construct. It's true. <laughs> it is, and the thing yeah. is, like I, the you know, I think any music listener, the longer you live life, the more frustrating you are with genre yeah. as a concept and the the more you like you'd like i don't fucking it's like this it's <laughs> yeah. and you like just mash together different words right. to try to yeah. like describe what something's like and the thing is they're as frustrating as they are I, my i'm the type of like brain and personality like i find them very helpful yeah but i guess it's it's um maybe it's the difference of looking at them like buckets and more like guideposts right. or something where it's like it 
gives you the directions right. vaguely of how to be, get somewhere. You could be jazzier yes. or less jazzy. Yes. But you're not yeah. going to be like jazz. Versus... It's like navigating by the stars almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you kind of know where the big ones are and you right. can sort of like bounce around between them and yeah. you'll probably get to where you're going, but maybe it'll be 100 feet left of your intended des- destination right. or whatever. But like you'll get there yeah. more or less. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that's right. And I think as a, as a composer, as a songwriter, I think I am very served by having as broad an understanding of the musical landscape as possible. Like I often think of my favorite songwriters. I love Tom Waits. I was talking about mm-hmm, him before. Mm-hmm. Paul Simon. Like these are people who are clearly drawing from many genres all the time. And they have a way of, it's, it almost feels to me like when they get an idea for a song, they have so many different genre tools that they can like make it into the best expression of that song idea. Yeah. Whereas like if you only play bluegrass, like what happens if you think of a really great hip hop song? You're just screwed. You don't get right. to write that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think I would, has, had talked to Pat about this already, but last week I listened kind of randomly to a 1998 Bette Midler album. Nice. I think it's called <laughs> Bathhouse Betty. And the number of genres represented on that album were yep. truly insane. Yeah. Uh, in like a way that I think was maybe a little gross because it wasn't <laughs> so much about combining much. genres on like individual tracks. It was, I think it was a little bit more of a, Hey, I want to write this right. kind of song. Does anyone have one of those songs right. for me to, and like, I can look what I'll I can do. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a little stunty, but yeah. But some of them were actually really good. There's some of the departures from maybe yeah. Bet's, you know, uh, fortes. Right. And, um, but it was it was a real journey yeah. of an album. I think <laughs> it had at least, she had a lot of vocal pop, obviously, which is kind of her bread and butter. She covered a Ben Folds 5 song, nice. which is from, I think, the Ben Folds 5's first album. It's called Boxing. And it's one of those songs that her singing it, I was like, oh, I know this song. Why do I know this song? Right. It's a show tune. <laughs> And I really was convinced because that it was a show tune that I was listening to. Right. And then I realized it was <laughs> this Ben Folds 5 song and then realized that Ben Folds at that point in his career basically wrote a show tune song, but for right. a regular popular And they played music it album. so you didn't realize it was yes, a show tune. Exactly. And then when Bette Midler did it, you were like, oh. It's exactly yeah. what it sounds like. <laughs> I love that. She See, that's a whole, perfect example. It's a perfect example. And and um and yeah it was just like a very it was a very delightful album to listen to yeah. in that regard. Awesome. I'll Jumping check around, that out. you know. Yeah. 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 Yes. Genre. <laughs> yeah. It's all made up. It is. All made yeah. Up. I think I have a special hatred for the idea of genre because I get asked that question a lot as a performer. Right. What kind of music do you play? And it's like at this point, I just mostly want to punch people when they ask me that. Even though, of course, they have the best intentions. And like, sure. there's nothing inherently offensive about that question. But I always want to be like, I don't know. What kind of food do you eat? <laughs> like, what kind of sex do you have? Yeah. It's the world. Is, yeah. It's not. I've, it doesn't work like that. I feel like I've found myself using <laughs> this as a genre in recent years, where someone's like, "Oh, what do they sound like?" I'm like, ah, "Guitar music." Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so incredibly. But I'm like, I don't, is there a yeah. better description yeah. for this band than guitar music? Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, just going back a little bit earlier about kids these days, like, <laughs> oh yeah, kids these Let's days. Get up on this soapbox. <laughs> it a nice thing is that they have Spotify. That yeah. they have all of this stuff available to them. Right. Um, for better or worse. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I I truly appreciate having those people in my life that were like, oh, you should listen to this. Yeah. Like, this is what you need to listen to. Like, hey, you're 12. Here's Frank Zappa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is nice that, like, you know, Spotify's Discover Weekly will throw, like, weird things yeah. in there. And that's, like... I don't know that it'll get people to stop like throwing things into genres, but yeah. like 
maybe it'll blend influences yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, we're we're like moving into the age of having robots instead of DJs, and they might do a better job. We're about yeah. to find out. DJs are pre- pretty uh, prejudiced. Really yeah. uh, they're pretty uh, preferential. You know, like they yeah. have the, they have things that they like and they want to push. And, well, especially yeah. lately when the sort of industry side of music has taken over the like having personal taste side. Mm-hmm. Like for, I mean, theoretically, there was a time when DJs had a lot more you know, uh, free will yeah. about what yeah. they could play. I mean, play. if we're talking like radio DJs, I think there's almost yeah. zero free will. Now uh, there is, yeah. Any, now they just have like... any major radio station. But like if you look you at... A playlist. There was a thing going around the internet a while ago that was like someone made an inter- interactive chart of all of the top 10 records from every year since the Billboard chart began, which mm-hmm. was like 1949. Yeah. And so you could see the records and then when one became number one, it would play that record. And so it's like this it's like this timeline where you can hear what the hits were all through mm-hmm, like 1949 mm-hmm. until now. And what was interesting is like there really was a sweet spot there in the 60s when like the number one record could be Bob Dylan, it could be Aretha Franklin, could be the Supremes, could be the Beatles, could mm-hmm. be Ray Charles, it could be like a gospel crossover thing, it could be like a doo-wop song. Like yeah. there was this little tiny like maybe <laughs> eight year, maybe not even that, maybe like six year period where like it seemed like we had actual uh, fluidity. We had genre right. fluidity. We yeah. had like anybody who listens to the radio is going to get the same uh, stuff, and it's going to be could be from any genre depending on the day. You right. know, I wish radio was more like that now, but of course it yeah, isn't. Yeah, of course. But maybe Spotify playlists are a little more like that, or they will be. And I think they are <laughs> certainly more and more like of the source of where you're getting music from because I was, you know, we were still getting music from the radio yeah. when we were younger and or at least to some extent. And I think that if something that is attempting to tailor things to you is probably going to do a little bit better of a job than top 40 radio. You yeah, know? definitely. I think hopefully they'll write a curveball into the algorithm on Spotify at some point, and they'll be like, "You think you like jazz, but probably yeah. you also are really gonna like this whatever hip hop yeah. or like, you know, country music or some other thing out of left field." There should be there should be like your whatever the discovery playlist or the weekly, yeah, and then there should just be another playlist that's like, "Hey, check this out!" Like, yeah. <laughs> Hey, or dude, sh- you might, like, over here, you might like this stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, or there should be, like, a toggle where you can yeah. say, like, how interested how in other stuff you are. So, like, this is my oh, Discover Weekly, but I'm, like, a, I'm like 11 on how much I want to hear just other random stuff right. I don't know about yet. Yeah. yeah It'll there just be a throw mi- more like a of it at you. Yeah. <laughs> blender or something. Yeah, Blender. The Blender button. The Blender button. I like that so much. <laughs> For I think all of Spotify. Spotify is definitely going to take this idea from us and not yeah. give us credit. But uh, just know that we invented it, it here. <laughs> All the tweens can thank us. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is a little bit of foreshadowing for the listeners, but oh. the songs that you played, mm-hmm. you play the cover of this song uh, and then your own version of it or yes. take on it. And I'm curious how how it came to be that you took a song that you love and then wanted to put your your version of it into the world. Yeah. Well, I think when I first heard I Fall, I fall in Love Too Easily, I really related to it, um, like you were saying, because I do fall in love too easily and often. Um, so I think I related to that song, and then years went by where I was just experiencing being a person who falls in love all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't like a direct, like, I'm going to write my own version. It was more sure. like 
this is something that me and Sammy Khan, the lyricist of that song, just happen to have in common. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So when I wrote my song, Lovin' Is Easy, um, I actually, I have a blog uh, as well where I write about mostly love and sex and relationships. And um, I had written this post called Casual Love, um, which has ended up being like my, I think it's the most popular piece of anything that I've ever put on the internet. So like, (laughs) this is my hit, is this blog post called Casual Love. (laughs) Um, And in the post, I basically say, I think that the way we think about love is perhaps dangerous in certain ways. This idea that um, it's this momentous, really special, unique thing that you're supposed to save for like only a few people in your whole life. And if you fall in love, that's like a really big deal. You should probably like get married or at least like date that person. Um, So I was saying that's one idea, but what about this other idea, which is what if we, like we have this idea of casual sex, which people are becoming more comfortable with in the world. Can we also have this idea of casual love where like you could meet someone you could fall in love with them and you could just be like, yo, I love you. Okay, bye. You know. <laughs> um, so that was the idea. And then I think because people related to it so much and kind of shared it a lot, I like maybe sunk a little deeper into that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of that line of thinking came the opening line of my song, Love and Is Easy, which is, I'm in love with you, but it's all right. I fall in love almost every night. And I was like, that's a little funny joke, which is how a lot of my lyrics will start. I'll like tell myself a funny joke, and if it makes me laugh, then I keep working on it. <laughs> so I liked that idea that you could say that to someone. Like, hey, I'm yeah. in love with you, but yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so that's where that song came from, was just sort of like riffing on that idea that you could like meet somebody. Uh-huh. Maybe you have a hookup with them or you spend a week together or whatever, and you have these feelings of love. And instead of saying like, panic, I'm in love with you, you just say like, hey, I'm in love with you, but it's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Loving is easy. Like, have a nice life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I like, I like that compared to what you were saying before about how just being succinct yeah <laughs> yeah like, yeah might as well yeah yeah and that's it's also a theme of a lot of my work is sort of like approaching love and approaching relationships from a more light light-hearted sort of humorous um uh position where it's like hey this is none of this is actually particularly important like we can just have a, have a good time about it yeah <laughs> no it's a and i think it's such a nice idea i think and obviously why it resonated with a lot of people is because it takes a little bit of the pressure off of what we know love to be, what we think we know love to be. And I think for a lot of people that is just such a nice notion Mm -hmm. that it's not the stressful high stakes thing that we've been told that it is. Yeah. And that love can, it can be both intense and fleeting Yeah, or it can be, you know, smoldering and long lasting. And yep. it, it can kind of, the, the casualness with what maybe with the way we talk about it is what's really important. Yeah. And yeah, because I can say, you know, the some of the greatest loves in my life are people that I'm not in relationships with anymore. Yeah. And they are still in my life. They are still people I love very dearly. Yeah. And the success, quote unquote, of that relationship has very little to do with the love between myself and that person. Exactly. And I think because we have this tendency to like put love on a pedestal, we tend to like kind of look back on our lives and like round things down. Like, well, we weren't really in love. We were just hanging out or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like in reality, 
the feeling is basically at equally intense in both cases. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, when you fall in love with the person you marry, it basically feels the same as when you fall in love with like the three night stand that you like <laughs> met when you were on tour or whatever. Right. <laughs> so it's like, but we like to pretend that like one of them felt really different. And I think it's it's okay to say actually they feel the same like i felt equally intense when i met my husband as when i've met various other people mm -hmm. but then we also like built a life together and like bought a house you yeah. know what i mean like it's okay that the feeling is the same and then you choose to do different things with it i feel like yeah. that's a little more empowering than like oops i've fallen into this pit and we call it love and now i'm like my whole life is prescribed <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, i think so much of that also just comes out of like pop culture yeah like disney movies yeah mm -hmm. here's what love has to be yeah and it's like no yeah <laughs> every, it's different for everybody probably yeah and i yeah i do think also there's a bit of a zap on on women or female socialized people because of the disney movie thing where it's like you're kind of supposed to be just waiting around for your whole life until like the right guy comes along and then you can like start your life um, yeah. And so I think this idea of casual love like takes a little bit of the power out of that where it's like, nah, you're just doing life yeah. and meeting various people as you go along and having many feelings. But like you're in charge of it the whole time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great that's a very it's a great notion. And I think the thing that people find hard, I know I can say that it's like sometimes you don't feel like you're in charge of love. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that is kind of one of the really nice, beautiful things about love is yeah. that it catches you off guard totally catches you by surprise and yeah. uh it's unpredictable yeah and i think to me it's like the the contradiction or the the paradox of it is you aren't in charge of your feelings as you move through the world but you're in charge of your life decisions and yeah. so i think that's what i wanted to do with that idea is sort of unmarry those two things like mm -hmm. you can have the feeling and you can still make the decision to do something else it reminds <laughs> me of like if you it's almost the way you're describing it, it's like that's exactly what we do with like food for the right. most part right <laughs> yeah. you don't eat the most uh unhealthy ridiculous but the delicious thing and right. then think to yourself oh, i have to do this for every meal yeah <laughs> like you're not going to kill yourself <laughs> right. because you have like this intense yeah. wonderful pleasure from eating this yeah. thing like you're probably going to make a decision yeah. to have that every once in a while exactly. so that you can like live a life yeah you i know? feel like that's maybe the best that's a great dating analogy you could be with somebody you have lots of passionate feelings about you have the greatest sex ever you're totally in love and they could still destroy you yeah sure. <laughs> you might still have to like put the hamburger down back away exactly. <laughs> make a healthier uh, life decision uh i think that is a great place to end the interview <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you. It's been coming. really fun. Yeah. How can uh, people keep up to date with what's going on in your world? Uh, the main way is my website, carsieblanton.com, C-A-R-S-I-E-B-L-A-N-T-O-N. And uh, that's got kind of everything on it. Music videos, songs, you can download stuff, you can read the blog. Oh, you can buy the game, The Effing Truth. That's right. The you're card game. you're nice. a game inventor, right? <laughs> I am now a game can inventor. Can you tell us just a smidge about what that game is? Sure. It's called The Effing Truth. And um, you know the game Never Have I Ever? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a cross between Never Have I Ever and Bingo. So mm. you get these cards that'll have a, a sex question on them. Like, have you ever slept with two people within a 24-hour period? And if you have done that, you can cross off the corresponding number on your board, and you're basically mm. trying to get bingo. Gotcha. So it's cool. like competitive talking about sex games. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds boring. Yeah, it's pretty boring. 
<laughs> no, that sounds uh, yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah. I just wanted to say, so I was on your website last night mm -hmm. listening to your new album, oh. So Ferocious. Yes. It's you. very, very good. Aw. Uh, and something that I thought was really cool is that you release your music through Creative Commons or I with do. the Creative Commons license. Yes, thank you. That's a very cool thing to do. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you for noticing. Yeah. yeah, I do that because I think intellectual property is like a little bit of a silly idea. Not like there's no such thing as intellectual property, but like intellectual ideas are not actually property. They're sort of adjacent to property. Um, but I think the way art actually works is that people share things with each other and mm -hmm. expand on ideas. And um, so I have a feeling about my art that I've made it and now it's in the world and whatever happens to it now is like a little bit out of my hands. So, mm. <laughs> so it's Creative Commons. You can download it for free on the website. You can even buy CDs for starting at $1. It's like pay what you pay yeah. what you want wow. um and i just want my music to like be out in the world and fly free that's my feeling yeah. about it well highly recommend it yeah it's a great <laughs> album thank um, you so yeah we suggest everybody go and check it out and uh we also hope that if you like this episode maybe you want to subscribe to our podcast if you're not already subscribed or tell a friend about it yeah do tell it a friend you share know. it Share it like the Spotify remix we accidentally <laughs> invented. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> someone's going someone's to be listening Blender. to an electro pop uh, playlist and somehow an episode of Repeater is going to end up in the playlist and take an hour out of their life. <laughs> <laughs> just end up on like a spoken word ambient <laughs> network. Um, yeah, but uh, thank you to everyone who was listening. Carsey, thank you so much for joining yeah, thanks us. Thanks for being here. It's thank been you wonderful. for having me. Everybody, until next time. Hit repeat. Yeah. Hit repeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Who said that? We did it. <laughs> this one's loving is easy. I'm in love with you. It's all right. I fall in love nearly every night. And it fills up my heart So I can't keep it in So I hope you don't mind If I say it again I'm in love with you But it's okay I fall in love almost every day I'm in love with the boys in the band Down my street And with every good poet I happen to make Cause loving is easy It's taking a breath I do it all day Till the day of my death I don't wanna own you You don't have to stay Just as long as I've known you I wanted to say I'm in love with you Sin. Just look at the state that you got me in When I think of your hands, of your eyes, of your tongue I get suddenly foolish and humble and young Cause I'm in love with you honey Don't be afraid I fell in love with the love that we made But it's none of my business If you can love me 
don't have to earn it, I'm giving it free. Cause loving is easy, it's taking a breath. I do it all day, till the day of my death. I don't wanna own you, you don't have to stay. Just as long as I've known you, I wanted to say, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Cartelli. This episode was recorded at Magnet Training Center in New York City, where they offer classes in improv, musical improv, sketch writing, storytelling, and more. Find out more at magnettheater.com. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. <laughs>